This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Every Saturday at 2 o'clock, we'll take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation. Enough. Great to have you along. I have to change that opening because we've gotten a couple of emails from people who are in different parts of the country and different parts of the globe, and they say it's not 2 o'clock here, so I'll probably change that opening. But that's just kind of get me in the spirit of it. Welcome to Episode 99 of the show. I don't know if you have anything special planned for me next week, but if anyone does, it'll be Christian who's on the board. Jonas is on the uh, calls, and Kevin is supervising. So great to have you along. I'll be here with you until 4 o'clock. No mystery who, what happens at 4 o'clock this week. You probably saw the ad in the New York Post, or you uh, might have heard it. They've been promoting it pretty heavily. This week, you know, each week on Left versus Right, we've been in calendar year 2024, aspiring to kind of live up to the, the kind of competitive nature of this being an election year. And so we've been doing real kind of issue debates, not, you know, not just talking about stuff, not one hand clapping, actual debates. And that's what left versus right kind of started out with. Curtis and I would do a little bit of that. But then John Katzenmatidis, the owner of the place, said, I want to hop in there and I want to give Anthony uh, some topics to talk about. We went back and forth and people loved it. The ratings went up. Everyone was into it. Then um, ben Curtis did it last week, and we kind of changed the format a little, did a bunch of different issues. So this week, at 4 o'clock, when my show is done, I'm going to be debating, checks notes, Roger Stone. I mean, it really is a sign that the universe is falling in on itself. Anthony Weiner and Roger Stone debating the issues. I am ready. They're going to throw. They're going to keep throwing at me more and more you know, interesting people to debate, and I'm glad to do it. I don't mind being, I mean, let's be honest, I'm the only Democrat here. 
I mean, there are some people who say I'm a Democrat. I just my, my party left me or whatnot. But I'm the only Democrat, and I'm pr- proud to be it. And I think this station deserves a lot of credit in an election year where we do opinion, and it's right-leaning opinion, no doubt about it. But at the top of the hour, the news is right down the middle. But there is always all voices are welcome. And the fact that not only do I have a show, not only is this the 99th episode, but it's been expanded to two hours. And I have a podcast called The Middle Unplugged, which has episode 68, where we talk about some of the delays in the different Trump trials. So I hope you can stick around for that. And we have a ton to do today. Whether you're listening on the radio or listening at WABCradio.com or listening on the app, we got a ton to do today. If you want to reach out to me, 800-848-9222, 800-948-WABC or wienerwabc at gmail.com. So there's a lot to do. Been a little bit of a bruising week for me. Last week, you know, you guys know I played beer league hockey last Sunday, our second game of the season. It's still a new group. We've got some new guys, right? You know, I'm the goalie. We're out warming up. And just someone clapped a puck right off my head in warm-ups. And I was, I don't know if I was concussed. I felt like, a, I mean, I felt woozy. I wanted, I had a vomit. I, it was, a, I was not in good shape. We got shelled. It was probably about till about halfway through the second period where I, I found out where I was. Um, and I've been kind of dealing with a little bit of a headache through the week. Uh, whatever. You probably, many of my listeners would believe that can only improve my thinking about things. Coming up this week, I think it's Tuesday, is the, I think the, the Mozzie Phillips Swazi case, case the, the, the Santos seat, New York 3, for those who are not from New York, open seats, the only thing going on in the country right now, these special elections, are to some degree bellwethers. And this is a particular, because it's a pretty close district, it's a pretty close seat, it was held by Republican uh, Santos. Swazi, who represented parts of this district, is coming back to try to reclaim the seat for the Democrats. And a woman named Mozzie Phillips is, Philip is trying to win it for the Republicans, try to hold on to it. And we saw last week in an issue that we're going to talk about, um, it's now come down to one person. They, they, would, they try to impeach Mayorkas last week, couldn't do it because they didn't have enough people. They would have one more person, one more Republican, uh, they would have been able to do it. So it matters. I do have to say, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm a Democrat. I I hope Swazi wins. The strategy that Mazi Philip is taking of like intentionally not answering some questions, laying low, essentially. They had a debate this week where she wouldn't say if she was pro-life or pro-choice. He kind of danced around it. Some said, "I don't like it," but other people do. What? And now she's been asked repeatedly. She's registered Democrat. Who did you vote for in 2016, 2020? She says, "I I don't remember." <laughs> Everybody remembers who they voted for in those elections. Here's the thing is I just think this is a mistake. The people of that district, the citizens of that district have gotten burned by not knowing enough about their guy before they voted for him in the case of Santos. So if there was ever a race that you should be an open book, I believe this is one. And I believe that voters are going to hold it against Mozzie Field because they don't want to find out again They've got another instance because at the end of the day, the failure of George Santos was the failure of the voters of that district. You know, they didn't find out what they should have. There was some stuff in local papers they could have checked out. And, you know, and so they were the victims there. The rest of us got a chance to laugh about it a little bit, but they were the victims of the Santos situation. So hopefully they get it right this time. And if I were advising Mazi Phillip, I would advise her to be more transparent. That's what I would advise uh, some late-breaking news that probably doesn't impact very many people in our listening audience, but is unfortunately 
um, a sign of the times. The the chairman of this new committee on China, this guy named Mike Gallagher, is from Wisconsin. One of the few committees, Democrats, Republicans, both have things that they don't like about what's going on with China, our relationship with China, Chinese treating of the Uyghur Muslims, China's trade policy, China aggression in the South China Sea. And this committee, unlike any other committee in Congress, I think, I think this is fair to say, had worked in a pretty bipartisan way. Their votes were not partisan. They got along pretty well. And some of it is because this guy, Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, was a a reasonable guy. He just wanted to get some stuff done. And he announced he's retiring because he can't get anything done in this Congress. That's the problem. All around him, it's kind of like jokers to the left of me, jokers to the right. So he's leaving that to us just announced. That's a little bit disappointing. Um, and, of course, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. I have no dog in this hunt. I really don't. I don't. I mean, I'll probably tune in a little bit for it. I mean, I'm an American, and it's an American kind of holiday, so I'll tune in for it. The Grammys were this week. Again, another thing I don't tune in for. But there was a lot. All over my feed was Tracy Chapman with Fast Car. So great to see her. That video, if you haven't seen it, I'm not a, I don't watch the Grammys. I'm sure you don't either. But if you haven't seen it, Tracy Chapman coming back and doing a song from um, 1988, 89 as a duet with this uh, country music cat. It was just such a great moment because you can kind of see her come out there She's not been – look, she's she's. it's one of the most famous songs in, in the world. I've heard people comment, oh, my God, this I hadn't heard this before. What a great comeback and whatever it is. No, she's been arrested like quadruple platinum records and everything else. But she hasn't been one of these classic rock stars that was everywhere. And so she comes out on stage and she's doing – she can see her playing the first few chords of this iconic song. And this kind of emotion washes over her face like, oh – I'm really stressed and nervous about this, but apparently people still like me. It was just very sweet and a great rendition of the song. And maybe Christian can find it. We can play it at one of the breaks. But as I said, an enormous amount going on in the news this week at all three levels of government. I'm not sure where to start. Let's start. Let's go in chronological order. The first is the, the legislative branch of government had a chance this week to do a major reform of immigration laws. You've heard me talk about it way too many times. To back up a little bit, the president, an overwhelming majority of Congress, wants to send foreign aid to Ukraine to help them fight against our adversary in Russia. Got to ask Roger Stone about this. And um, we have want to support Israel. We want to help out Taiwan. And the Republicans said, we're not going to do any of that until we do immigration reform. So quite surprisingly, Joe Biden and the Republican and the Democrats in Congress said, OK. So they appointed a negotiating team, conservative Republicans, Guy Lanford from Oklahoma, Murphy for the Democrats from Connecticut, and this woman, Cinnamon, independent from Arizona, border state. And they negotiated for months, and they came back with a bill. Um, But before they even really could, before there was even text of a bill, before there was even specifics of a bill, already the, the former president, Donald Trump, was saying, don't do any deal because 
you know, and I, you know, if you want to, if, if, if I, if, if I got a quarter for every time I said, I told you so, I'd be rich by now. I told you so. I said that they just want this as the issue. But when they finally came out with the text and Republicans were jumping ship left and right, it became clear that Republicans got almost everything that they wanted. And let me just explain. I heard um, Stephen Moore say this. It has become this mantra among Republicans that the Repu- that that the president should just enforce the president law. We keep hearing say that. And I've explained on this show hundreds of times that there are elements – the law does not uh, does not permit the president to do a whole bunch of things. Like, for example, the asylum laws. This asylum law is the easiest way for someone to come in right now, and not really it's the only way because there's all the, the other legal pathways, all the programs have lapsed or they don't have more visas and things like that. And so the, the amnesty laws say that anyone who's in this country can, can request amnesty. I'm sorry, request asylum. I keep confusing those words. Request asylum. And I've read the law to all of you that says that. So in 2017 and 18, Donald Trump, then the president, tried to unilaterally say, we're not going to let in asylees anymore because of other elements of the law that give me this power. And the court struck him down and said, no, if you want to change the asylum law, you've got to change. And so the 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 Doors to those, the country were reopened for asylees under Trump. Trump tried to stop it with executive action. The court struck it down because I read you the law. The law is pretty clear. So when this bill comes out, finally comes out, it already looks like it's dead. Almost as soon as like people start mumbling about it. But it, when you started to look at it, Democrats realized we, that Demo- we got nothing in this. No dreamers no path to citizenship no amnesty nothing is in there that 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 um but here are some things that are in it that didn't even the republicans said we won't it's dead on arrival people say well you've got to lock up people you can't release people when they're caught that while they're waiting here they should be detained so the compromise that they came up with said that we're going to take the existing 34,000 capacity in our ICE prisons and we're going to make it 50,000. That was in that bill that didn't even get considered. There was um, a shutdown authority that was granted to the president, whoever the president is, that allowed the president to do it without any oversight of the courts under certain circumstances if there was if there was – a, a big influx at our border. And by the way, by big influx, I mean the same levels that has been coming in recently. So basically it would have granted overnight an authority that doesn't exist in the law just on the basis of the number of people. It would take the asylum requirements. This is the law that didn't even get didn't even get considered because Donald Trump said we don't want we want the issue. We don't want the solution. <coughs> You've heard John Katsimatidis and others. Forgive me, John Cartagena said, so we want to know who's here. So it added, the law would have added new requirements to even ask for asylum. For example, any criminal history can't ask for asylum. Could they have settled in another country on their way here? <coughs> Forgive me. If the answer is yes, you can't apply for asylum. That's a new law that would have been passed. <clears throat> Could they have resettled somewhere else in their own country? 
Right now, that's not a requirement. That would have been part of this new law. So now someone's just saying, I'm too scared to return home. ICE officers would have been asked these other questions. And if it turned out that they could have gone somewhere else in their country, they would be denied. Christian, I think we're going to have to go to break a little earlier. I'm I'm getting very emotional about this. (coughs) Finally, the other things that that it does is that it gives a bunch more money to augment the Border Patrol. More money to hire more people, more money for salaries. That's why the Border Patrol Union, why they supported this. But because Donald Trump, who brags about it now, and the Republicans said, we'd rather have this issue, we're going to let the border fester. We're going to let it fester. We're not even going to bring it up. And and uh, the way they chopped the legs out from this guy, Langford, and Langford... To his credit, hold on, Christian, let, let, let's get into cut six, just so people can hear what Lanford had to say, just so he knows it's a Republican saying this, not just me. Cut six here to wrap us up. This is the pen that I was handed at that desk when I was sworn in to the United States Senate. And I signed a book that was at that desk with this pen because I was becoming a United States senator because the people at home sent me here to get stuff done and to solve problems. There's no reason for me to have this pen if we're just going to do press conferences. I can do press conferences from anywhere, but we can only make law from this room. And to do that, you need one of these pens. There's a hundred of them in this room, and 60 of us have to agree to solve a problem. And I'm determined to sit down with anyone who wants to solve the problem, regardless of what side of the aisle that they're on, to figure out how we solve these things. Because Americans are ticked off that this is not resolved. And they expect us to get things done. So why don't we do that? By the way, that 60 votes he refers to, keep that number in mind. Because when Donald Trump becomes president, if you think for a moment... Democrats are going to step up and make sacrifices when this is the document that they put up and it wouldn't even be considered. You got another thing coming. So it was a bad day for the, for immigration reform. But there's a lot more to come because the Supreme Court got involved. And also a report came out from the special counsel on Joe Biden's documents. We're going to get to that after the break. It's the middle. So great to have you along. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. 
Tracy Chapman and a guy named Luke Combs doing their duet of Tracy Chapman's iconic song from, I want to say 1988. I should know this since I put it on the list here. Um, Beautiful song. She sung it first. She sung it first at a big Wembley concert. Stevie Wonder, I believe, was performing. And Stevie Wonder was having... His crew was having trouble getting him set up or something. And so Tracy Chapman, who was the opener, was sent back out on stage to play another song. She didn't have any songs that... So she played this one, which had not been recorded. She had written it. And it's believed that that was the first time that she ever performed it. 1988. Thank you, Christian. And the thing about this song is that now, like a whole gen- another generation, obviously, is discovering it. And because we have social media, everyone's like talking about what they think it means and discovering it. Just because you guys haven't heard it before doesn't I mean it's new. She's a quadruple platinum artist. Anyway, it's a beautiful song, a beautiful version of it. When I saw that this guy, Luke Combs, was climbing the charts with his version, I was like, oh, great. And it's someone else, country music, appropriating something. But it, it was a very nice uh, it was a really great performance. And again, I, I would never watch the Grammys in a thousand years. But if you get a chance to check out that video, please take a look at it. All right. So we talked a little about Congress's day. In, 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 and, and on top of everything else, not only did they not pass immigration reform, not only did they kind of walk away from it, not only did they chop the legs out from their negotiator, not only did they change their position that they had that we want immigration reform, is they uh, then went next to impeach this guy, Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security. And the one thing about being the majority party is you get to decide what comes up and when. So it's not like it was a mystery. And they lost. The Republicans lost because they they miscounted votes. So that was embarrassing. They're probably going to try to redo it again. On, on Tuesday is what I heard because Steve Scalise is coming back from treatment for his cancer. And so he's going to be back. And so the numbers are going to change anyway. So they want to change. I just think it's ridiculous. You're, you're basically, you have, you have policy differences on this stuff. You don't, the guy didn't commit a high crime or misdemeanor. If you're going to start, you know, impeaching people because you have policy differences, that's a little bit crazy. And if you just want to say that he's bad at his job, well, then you can impeach a whole bunch of people, right? I mean, just go through the list of all the people Donald Trump hired who he said were terrible. John Bolton, who worked for Donald Trump as a national security advisor. Trump called him a wacko and a sick puppy. Jeff Sessions, the attorney general. Donald Trump calls him mentally unqualified. This is his own attorney general. John Kelly, who I think was also the chief of staff. That was the chief of staff. Way over his head is a quote. Rex Tillerson who was hired to be the Secretary of State, dumb as a rock, is what Donald Trump said. So 
yeah, if you're going to start to say that, you know, you're going to fire people because you don't think they're smart or whatever it is, you might have a long list. By the way, all I did there, Google, I Googled things Trump said about the people he hired. And I just pulled for a few of those. Anyway, but there's, there's, I said there were three, all three parts of government had a big week and made a lot of news. The second, chronologically speaking, was the Supreme Court of the United States heard this argument that Donald Trump should not be, is not qualified to be on the ballot because he's not qualified to be president again. And that is because there are some qualifications in the Constitution for whether you can be president. You can't, you cannot, you have to be a native-born American. I think you have to be here for 14 years. I think you have to be 35 is one of them. And one of them is you can't, you have, if you engaged in insurrection, um, or rebellion, or given aid and comfort to enemies thereof, meaning the United States of America, you're ineligible. So Colorado had a trial where on one side is people saying he committed insurrection or rebellion or gave aid and comfort to the And the other side was Trump. A five-day trial. Trump could call any witness that he wanted. Didn't use all of his time. And the Supreme Court ruled on this case. Now, the case was bought by, brought by Republicans. And it was supported by the Federalist Society, these two guys from the Federalist Society who wrote this saying that that President Trump was not eligible. And when I reviewed this issue for you guys a couple of weeks ago, by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. When I reviewed this, I said this really comes down to four questions. And I said very clearly then, and I say it now, I hope he's on the ballot. I hope the Supreme Court restores him to the ballot. Because my view is the only way to vanquish Donald Trump is to vanquish him again, like we have at the at the at the polling booth, like we did resoundingly in 2022 and 2020 and 2018, et cetera. So the four questions is one, is this section still part of the Constitution? It's very clear from the founding fathers they didn't intend it just to be from the revolution, from the uh, Civil War. It was supposed to be something that survived as part of the Constitution to make sure that insurrections couldn't get back into power. And it seems the Supreme Court didn't even touch that. I don't think there's any dispute about it. Two, does it cover the president of the United States? There were some questions about that, but not serious ones. I don't think anyone – the court was skeptical of the idea. There wasn't, you know, skeptical of the idea that anyone who was writing this thing to make sure that that insurrections didn't get back into power would have left out the president. And they did say an officer of the United States. Some conversation about that. The third thing is, did he engage in insurrection? Well, Colorado said that he did. Maine said that he did. But the fourth one is the question that I think is ultimately going to lead to a rather surprising outcome. And that is, I think it might be a nine to nothing or eight to one decision in favor of putting Donald Trump back on the ballot in Colorado and everywhere else in the country. Because the fourth question is, did Congress have to come up with some kind of a law to implement this part of the Constitution, or was it self-activating in some way? And what most of the judge justices of the Supreme Court were concerned about was this idea of the 14th Amendment was supposed to limit states' rights. Keep that in mind, because at the time, there were a bunch of states that wanted to leave. <laughs> so the idea was to make it so that they... 
and their officers and everyone else couldn't get back into power. Insurrections. So the question became, well, wait a minute. If you're going to give Wisconsin the power to take President Trump off the ballot, in a way you're denying New Yorkers, you're making a decision for the New York voters, the New York citizens. Now, this whole idea that people say, let the people decide, that's not a thing. People can't decide. Here's a thought experiment. What if the people really, 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 really want Barack Obama to serve a third term? This is not a let the people decide. We have qualifications for office, and this is one of them. But it looks like the Supreme Court of the United States was sympathetic to the argument of giving a state the right to take them off the ballot in their state. They didn't quibble with that. But the effect would be in a 50-50 country like this one that you'd have to come up with some way that everyone could agree was a fair process that all 50 states follow to decide whether he was an insurrectionist or not. Kind of like the trial they did in Colorado, but the standards, and I explained this a few weeks ago because I thought this would be the outcome, that the standards are the same in every state, the rules of evidence are the same, you know, is it by a preponderance of the evidence, beyond a reasonable doubt, the different standards. Now, everyone agrees that the states have the right to, to decide for themselves how to run their elections, but in this case, by taking someone off the ballot in five or six states, you would have the impact of taking him off in every state because then um, he wouldn't be able to get the requisite number of electoral college votes. So the Supreme Court, I think, based on the questions, either going to be nine to nothing or eight to one. And I think that's a good thing. But if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, here's the catch. I think all of that unanimity, all of that agreement, all of that consensus is also going to be the case when they get the case about Uh, immunity. And I believe they're not even going to take the case. They're not going to grant it certiorari. They're going to send it. They're going to say, nope, the lower court, which said he doesn't have, doesn't have any leg to stand on, on thinking he should be immune from prosecution for, for crimes that he committed. This is another thing I should talk about with, uh, with Roger Stone. We debate at four o'clock on left versus right. But I think what's going to happen now is the way the Supreme court is going to do this. We're going to leave him on the ballot, but we're also going to let the courts do their work. And that means rather than – I don't even think they're going to have a hearing at the Supreme Court. That lower court decision was so airtight that I don't think that there is going to be much to argue over. So when we get back, we'll do some calls on these first two things, immigration and the Supreme Court. And then at the top of the hour, the last branch of government that had a big news week, the executive branch of government. And I've been asking where is the special prosecutor, the independent counsel's report on the documents of Joe Biden. Well, now we have it. It broke just in time for our show. We're going to do that in the next hour. 800-84-WABC. I'm Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. So great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You got a fast car. We go cruising, entertain ourselves. Still ain't got a job. So we're working the market as a checkout girl. I know things will get better. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
the middle. That's the voice of Roger Daltrey and the Who. One of the last actual songs they record. I don't. I mean, they haven't recorded too many songs since then. Obviously, written by Pete Townsend. He has Roger Daltrey has really in his advanced years really retained his voice really well. So we're talking about immigration. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this just crossed the wire. If you were worried about Taylor Swift not making it back in time for the Super Bowl, she apparently is en route. <laughs> 13-hour flight. I mean, that's a lot. Good thing she's got a private plane and she's unconcerned about our environment. All right, let's go to some calls. A lot of people waiting uh, to talk about immigration and the Supreme Court. Let's start out with Mike. Mike, where did you say you were from? West Long Branch. Rents Long Branch. That makes more sense. West, West Long West Branch. Long. Yeah. What's on your mind, Mike? Uh, a couple of things about that border deal that never got passed. But um, I, I don't know how you blame Donald Trump for not getting passed. But I guess you can if you want. He's a private citizen. He didn't vote either way. Well, he he, he himself took credit for, for spiking it. <laughs> he takes credit for everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's true, but that's fine. He didn't vote. Uh, that's well, but he did. Listen, and he is the leader of the party, and he did call around to people saying, I don't want this. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that party falls into place. He basically runs the party. Uh, okay. He can take what he wants. That's fine. You can take what you want. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is Biden broke the border. It's not the deal. He doesn't follow the laws to begin with. People that were sneaking over here had Biden-Harris T-shirts coming in. They're cutting down barbed wire in Texas so they it make it easier. They incentivize him by giving all this free stuff, and they try to blame Trump for the problem. Mike, you Mike, can do Mike, that let's, all you want. Mike, let's let let's make this as easy as possible. You said that there's some law that you think that Biden passed, or someone that he's not enforcing, and that's a common misconception. I don't blame you for having it. But can you tell me what you're referring to? I'm not going to respond to T-shirt, what people have on their T-shirts. That's not a law. That's not something Biden did. What law do you think that he has the power to enforce that he's not? He's not enforcing any law. What do you mean? There, there have been more arrests at the border than any well, time under Trump. No, no matter what law or whatever he's not facing, they're incentivizing him to come in. Why are they coming in in record numbers they're when coming they in, under Trump? The, hold on a second. First of all, they came in in record numbers under Trump. Admittedly, Biden is breaking those records. But you say they're not enforcing law. There are more people have been uh, have been removed from this country. More people have been arrested at the border than any time in American history. What law? But get you, you keep changing the subject. What law do you think that Joe Biden is not enforcing? He, well, he ended them. He ended Title 42. Title 42. Sorry, All right, let's do one at a time. Title 42 is a health law, not an immigration law. If if we were to redeclare a COVID emergency in this country, which would give cities and localities the ability to lock down their cities and all that other stuff, if we were to redeclare that, he would have authority under Title 42. We don't have a COVID emergency. It's a health law, not an immigration law. What's your next one? My next one. All right. The next one he broke is uh, he, he started catch and release again. Catch and release is never every. Hold, let, me, let me just do them one at a time. Catch and release is not a law. The fact is we only have about thirty five thousand cells that we can lock people up in. And so every administration makes a, a border officers make a decision who we are going to say you come back for a hearing on this and, and go out into the community, get paroled into the community and who they lock up. This border deal would have created more cells, but everyone has – every administration in history has – border officials have the discretion on who they release and who they arrest. What? Uh, give me the third one, Mike. So far, you're 0 for 2. I'm 0 for 2? 
Those are two things that actually no, happened. No, those are two things okay, that I've explained I'll, to you. Oh, my God. Mike, if you're going to. incentivizing go, people to come over here. Who's what the they? Mean? Who's the they? Uh, 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 Eric Adams giving $1,000 a pre-pay. No, Eric, Eric Adams does not want them here. So why is he giving them a $1,000 pre-paid card? Because the other alternative. The, hold on. Okay. All right. Let's do one thing at a time. So you got on the phone with me to say that, Joe Biden, you should not do a deal to tighten up the laws because the laws are fine. Then you gave me two examples that are not immigration laws, that one was a health law that can't be put back into place because we don't have the COVID emergency. And the second one was the example that that Border Patrol officers simply don't have hundreds of thousands of cells to lock them up with. We had a law that was going to be passed that would have expanded that. And Donald Trump and the Republicans killed it. Now, the third thing you say has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It is what happens when they come here. Now, I am not crazy about all of these asylees coming in here. It's a difficult challenge for my for tax dollars and everything else. But once they're here, they have to feed them. Once they're here, the only city on Earth that has a, a, a right under the law for housing is New York City. The only thing that this card system does is rather than give contracts out to people, to feed these people, they said, let's take 75 percent of that money and give the money directly to the migrants to have them buy food for themselves. That has nothing to do with Joe Biden, nothing to do with Congress. All it is is trying to manage a problem that is completely broken. And when there was a time to manage that system, what did the Republicans, what did Donald Trump do? They said, no, we don't want to deal. We want the issue. And I have been saying that for six months it's like it's like back to the future listening to my program. I told you months ago they didn't want a, a solution. Let's go to Sajan in New Jersey. Hey, Sajan, welcome aboard. Anthony, second time caller. What I wanted to tell you about uh, this, uh, this statement that immigration is broken, uh, let's fix immigration. So I just wanted to clarify that. Why is it broken? I don't think it's broken, and here's why. We take around 8,000 people annually from every country in this world. That's like 160 countries. Each country can come. 8,000 people can come. Okay, number one. Number two, on top of that, we have the H-1B visas. 100,000 people will get the visas. Along with that, their families, their children. If we consider that it's a family with a husband, wife, and two children, 400,000 people come in annually. On top of that, here L-1 visa. So we are a very liberal nation. So why do they call it the immigration is broken? I think that's just a slogan. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain. And, and frankly, the previous caller and just about every caller on the board is right when they say that the immigration system is broken because we simply cannot manage this type of surge at our southern border. Do we have other visa programs? We have visa programs, sure. Now, they need to be updated every once in a while, and some people don't like the H-1 visa. Most of these people coming through the southern border are not coming because they're tech workers, or they're not coming as an O visa because they're an artist. Uh, these are people that are coming that, that, frankly, are trying to improve their lives, that, are in, that come from countries that are in a complete mess, largely because you and I had policies that made their lives a complete mess. But every once in a while, Sajan, we have to update our immigration laws to take you know, to account changing circumstances. We have more people showing up at our southern border than any time in American history. So you can just say, ah, that's fine. The existing laws seem to be doing just fine. Or you say, no, we need more jail cells or we need more. We need to tighten up the law so that they can't come and get to stay just because they say the words asylum when they're standing on our land. We have a 10-year, uh, not quite a 10-year, but about a 7-year backlog 
for hearings on asylum cases. So let's tighten those up. Let's add a section of the law that lets um, border officers ask them three or four quick questions. And if they get any of them wrong, meaning that there's some place they could have stopped in their own country, they get turned away immediately. That's not in the law today. So if you think that people are coming in unchecked to too great a degree, your chance to fix it was last week on the floor of the House and the Senate and the Republicans. Donald Trump said, we won't even consider it. So there's the answer to your question. Did I answer that for you, Sir John? Uh, no. I, can you hear me? I can. So, so if there is 8 million job openings, why don't we – you think there's 8 million people coming. There's, like, job opening for 8 million. Why don't we do something like a visa for these people? They, that way they can do this uh, temporary job like the Middle East people do. The Middle East also people do that. They All these low-level jobs, they issue – Visa, that way the government gets uh, taxes, and they're legal. They so, get John, so John, uh, you make an excellent point. You know what was in the bill that they wouldn't even take up last week? 50,000 uh, 50, new visas over five years for specialized, um, for specialized workers for jobs that are underfilled. That's not compared to eight, 8 million, uh, Anthony. I mean, this is a no, I, I, I don't believe like we should, I don't believe we should have 8 million people coming in. Most people on the board right now who call into the station think there should be fewer. I mean, look, in order to do these things, it's so funny. People call up and say, we don't need any new laws. And then everything they say would require a new law. I mean, that's 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 the, 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 the problem here. By the way, here's an interesting thing before we go to a break. This week, the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, they just do estimates. They're basically blue eye shade types of people. Um. They said that because of this surge of immigration, this unexpected surge of immigration, the U.S. economy will be about $7 trillion larger and federal revenues will be $1 trillion larger because of this surge of immigration. It's a good reminder. And we'll be right back on The Middle. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. taking you up to four o'clock today and then at four o'clock left versus right now we're starting to get into the real heavyweights roger stone and i will be debating on left versus right i'm looking forward to it we're going to be touching on some of the issues we're talking about now i'm going to ask him about this immigration stuff and uh, we'll see where he comes from he's he knows where a lot of bodies are buried 
And uh, then at the top of the hour, we'll also change subjects and talk about the third piece. I have the whole hour for it was the uh, um, independent counsel report on Joe Biden's uh, documents. As you know, Donald Trump has his own case. But let's uh, do a few more calls here before the top of the hour. First, let's go to Mason in the Bronx. Hey, Mason, welcome. Uh, yeah, I read a very interesting article. Uh, oh, my God. By Mason Dr. now? Oh. He's Mason? I said Nathan. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. So go ahead. Hey, welcome up. back, Nathan. All right. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, read, I read a very uh, interesting article by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, uh, and he touches on Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, the Homeland Security Chief. Yes, we're, 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 we're familiar with him. Pick up the base a little bit. We're close to the, the top of the hour. Okay, no problem. Uh, so basically, he actually sat on the uh, board of the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. And right, he, hi. So I, 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 I think I understand. So you wanted to ask about um, these organizations, and Hyas is one that gets raised. Uh, others get raised. There are a lot of organizations that help people in need when they come here from other countries, lots of them, Catholic Charities, Hyas, all kinds of different organizations. I think that it's kind of misguided to make them the bad guys. They're not smuggling anyone. They're not violating any, any laws. What they're trying to do is help migrants when they come here. A lot of these organizations, highest in particular, was after the Holocaust, and people were spread out all around trying to help people. Oh, actually, you know what? I think highest was after the fall of, of the Soviet Union. We had a lot of Russians that were coming in here. But, yeah, there are a lot of organizations that provide that help. I don't think that's the source of the problem because they're getting people when they're already here. It's not like they're smuggling anyone or anything like that. Susan in Manhattan. Go ahead, Susan. Hello, Anthony. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm calling because um, I'm listening to you talk about additional legislation that's needed to control the current problem, and the Republicans are the bad guys. I don't have a stake on either side, but in all honesty, on Biden's first day in office, he repealed, he had a ton of executive orders undoing all of Trump's immigration policies that were quite effective, whether you liked Trump or hated Trump. I disagree with you on all points that you say we had a bigger problem under Trump. No, no, I, 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 I know the, 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 the problem is bigger now under Biden, but it's been getting it's been growing bigger and bigger under the same body of laws that we had. What Biden did is there. And I appreciate this. There were some executive orders that were in place that were left over from uh, Donald Trump. And that's it's customary. New administration come in. They get their own uh, their, their own uh, policies in place. One of the 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 things that Donald Trump was doing was separating families, was trying to intimidate families and the like. There are some things that Donald Trump might have been doing that were that were effective. Maybe not. One of the other things that Susan left out, and I appreciate the call, is Donald uh, uh, Joe Biden that day. I believe it's on the 21st introduced a package of immigration reforms to toughen the border, to have a, a path to citizenship for dreamers, to to reform these these things. And and ultimately, that was the foundation for some of the negotiations. But this law that was prepared, I'm sorry, this bill that was negotiated just last week and was ready to go to the floor had almost nothing Biden wanted, the Democrats wanted in it. It was basically... The Republicans got everything almost that they wanted. There was no path to citizenship or anything else. I am not saying that there was that that 
that things under Joe Biden are not problematic. The opposite, I believe that they are. But I believe that policy changes need to be made by Congress. And I want to remind you all of something else. In 2017, when Donald Trump became president, after he campaigned on immigration, he did not respond and pass a single bill to tighten up this asylum law. This would have done it this week. Didn't pass a single thing to 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 make it possible for border officers to turn people away without having to go to a judge. This law would have done it. Didn't do a single thing to to um, to, uh, to 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 make uh, um, um, asylum tougher to get. This bill would have done it. So you can go back to 2000, 2017 or go back to 2021 all you want. But the fact remains that here it was after Republicans huffed and puffed. We got to solve this problem. We got to close the border. We got to do all these different types of things. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. And to Robert uh, to, from Suffolk, who's waiting, who's waiting on hold, we're not going to be able to get to him. H.R. 2, the Republican, you needed 60 votes. It's a bipartisan thing that they couldn't get done because Republicans said we won't even consider it. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the tough week for Joe Biden. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Number two, I'm Anthony Weiner. That's the interrupters bringing us back in. Uh, I'm going to be here with you till 4 o'clock. Then at 4 o'clock, another edition of Left versus Right, this time not with John Katsimatidis, not with Curtis Lee, but this time Roger Stone. A fair number of reporters have checked in to see if that they, they're like, is this really a thing? And I'm like, yeah, it's really a thing. It is a little bit weird, i got to admit. But we're going to have so we're going to go through the issues of the day. A lot of the issues that we talked about in the first hour, we're gonna, I'm going to bring up with him, and uh, we'll see where we agree. I don't think we'll agree anywhere, anywhere, to be honest with you. I'm interested in talking to him because he really is. He's he kind of channels Donald Trump. Plus, he's been around a long time, and I look forward to that debate. But I'm not going to take it easy. See, with John, I got to admit, I got to take it easy a little bit. I mean, we're friends, but he's my boss. Got to be careful with Curtis. I mean, Curtis is a little bit punch drunk already. Actually, Curtis and I agree on a lot of stuff, but it'll be interesting, Roger Stone. So I said that this week was a busy week for the legislative branch. They had their immigration thing. They tried to impeach a cabinet official, were unsuccessful in doing it without even a vote. They voted. They uh, couldn't even bring a vote on immigration reform that their own guy had negotiated. And by the way, if you think that this doesn't matter, Moody's this week lowered Israel's credit rating for the first time ever from A1 to A2. 
And it's also downloaded its future outlook from stable to negative. They need our support. Ukraine needs our support. And after saying, if you just tie it to immigration, anyway. So it's a bad week for, for the legislative branch. And I talked about the Supreme Court arguments on the 14th Amendment, Section 3, whether the president, is Donald Trump, is even eligible to run. And then at the end of the week, it's the executive branch that got into the mix. Now, just to just to re- have everyone remember, a couple of, you know, uh, 15 months ago or so, there was a flurry of activity where all kinds of classified documents were popping up everywhere. I did a whole episode on the Middle Unplugged, the podcast I have, about the millions and millions of documents that stamp classified every year. How often classifications are vague. Sometimes they have a cover sheet. Sometimes they don't. Everything is there. So anyway... First, it, they, it turned out that Donald Trump had them. Then it turned out that uh, Pence had it. Then, um, then uh, Joe Biden. And so Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States of America, appoints a special prosecutor, a special counsel, who operates under this part of the law that is supposed to make make sure that criminal activities are not investigated and prosecuted for partisan reasons and also makes them more insulated. They have complete control over their own budget. They have complete control over their own subpoenas and things like that. This guy, Robert Smith, uh, this guy, Jack Smith, is an independent counsel. So this guy, Robert Herr, is one as well. And I had been saying, you know, if you're a regular listener to my show, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, what the heck is going on? I've been saying it for months because they, when they found that Pence had them, Pence had them, he called up the OJ. He said, I've got these. I have no intention of keeping them. Come look for other ones if you want. They issued within a month or so a one-page letter to Pence saying, okay, thank you. We've got them back. No harm, no foul. So now it is 15 months later. This guy, Hur, calls 150 witnesses, 7 million pages of documents he subpoenas, $3.5 million of budget. And they say that we're not going to indict the first special counsel in history not to indict anyone. Remember how embarrassing Durham was? Durham, at least he tried to indict, so he indicted someone. He lost the trial. But this is the first, is it? But A lot of my Democratic friends are getting very up in arms about the idea that he didn't come to a conclusion that that anything was indictable, that there was any criminal activity there. But he still wrote this whole report that said a lot of embarrassing things about Joe Biden, chief among them that he's old and forgetful. And so that's been all over the place. He's old and forgetful, old and forgetful. Let me just say this about that. Joe Biden is old and forgetful. Donald Trump is old and says forgetful things. Just yesterday, he stood up at a rally and thought it was Saturday afternoon when it was Friday night. I'll play the cuts if you want, but I don't think it's necessary. You hear all kinds of Biden cuts. I can pay you cut after cut after cut of of Donald Trump thinking that Victor Orban is from Turkey that it's Friday when it's Saturday when it's Friday that Nikki Haley is is Nancy Pelosi. I can do it. Unfortunately, you, my dear listener, and I are stuck. These are our two nominees. 
But now we do at least have something to compare in terms of this document situation. Now, the brief side-by-side is that they found essentially three things that they called attention to. I think it was three. Two of them were diaries that Joe Biden had where he wrote down things contemporaneously, his handwriting and his books about things that should have been classified. And he shared those things with his ghostwriter that was writing a book with him about his son. Now, none of the classified things appeared in the book, but the special counsel said he shouldn't have done that. But he also said that there's a precedent set by Ronald Reagan back in the day where he had dozens and dozens of these journals that he took home with him and shared with other people, and he wasn't prosecuted. He said, based on the precedent, we're not going to prosecute. Then there was another document about Afghanistan that was found, that was determined. Another one that was handwritten by, it's kind of weird, he wrote a memo to his boss and faxed it. It's kind of weird. Um, From Joe Biden to Barack Obama that had classification markings on it that were found in a box in Biden's possession. The, The special counsel said he had no reason to believe that Biden knew it was there or whatnot. But the real stuff that everyone got so upset about was he said that when he was asked questions, he seemed forgetful. And then he puts in this thing in the report, which has everyone all in their up up in arms, saying that we don't think that that Joe Biden, one of the reasons we're not going to prosecute is we don't think that Joe Biden will be a very good witness because he'll comes off as an old forgetful man, basically. (coughs) Now, that shouldn't have been in the report. Because, first of all, it's ridiculous. Why would Joe Biden be a witness? <laughs> it's not going to be – in all the cases I've ever seen, a person doesn't go understand themselves. But even, but I just want everyone to understand who's complaining about this. And I know this isn't going to make my friends on the left very happy, but the guy had to write a report. He was required to report why he wasn't prosecuting. So in a way, he felt the need to put in a lot of stuff. He shouldn't have put that in. It was personal. It was kind of a cheap shot. The guys were – whatever it is. I, I don't – think it's the end of the world. I think most people have formed an opinion on, on that kind of thing. Um, but there were very – there were real contrasts right in the report. I'm going to read you from the report the contrast that this independent counsel made between the Trump cases and the Biden case. And this is from the report. Several materials, the material distinction between Mr. Trump's case – and Mr. Biden's case are clear. I'm reading from the report on Joe Biden right now. Most notably, after being given multiple chances to return classified documents and avoid prosecution, Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite. According to the indictment, he not only refused to return the documents for many months, but he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then lie about it. In contrast, Mr. Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the Department of Justice, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his homes, sat for a voluntary interview, and in other ways cooperated with the investigation. So for all of you that are out there, and if you want to call and talk about this, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, for all the people are like, oh, they dropped the charges, they didn't charge Joe Biden, it's being unfair to charge Donald Trump. The principal problem that Donald Trump has in his case is, sure, he wasn't supposed to have these documents. But it was the cover-up. It was hiding them. It was moving them. It was asking people. I'll just do the side-by-side for you, okay? 
the top line is that the special prosecutor, a Republican investigating Donald, Joe Biden, said there should be no prosecution or indictments. Donald Trump indicted 14 felony counts, including obstruction of justice. In Joe Biden's case, him and his team self-reported that they found documents and immediately alerted law enforcement. And the report bears that out. When it came to Donald Trump, the National Archives found documents and law enforcement had to issue a subpoena and a search warrant to get access to get them back. Joe Biden immediately directed his staff to return all classified documents that they found immediately. The evidence shows that Donald Trump suggested to his attorney that we should, quote, hide or destroy, close quote, the documents that the government had subpoenaed. And this is from a this is from the testimony of his own lawyer. On the side of Joe Biden, no attempt was ever even mentioned to destroy any of the evidence. On the in the case of Donald Trump, according to the indictment, he attempted to delete security camera footage at Mar-a-Lago to conceal the evidence. This again, this is what's alleged. This is going to come up. On the Joe Biden side, he voluntarily said to law enforcement, "Come on in. You can search anywhere that you want." DOJ was not allowed into Mar-a-Lago without a search warrant. People say, well, why did they raid Mar-a-Lago? Because they were told they couldn't come in and look themselves. And then you get to what was actually found, what the documents were. The the Biden thing, it was unclear to me, but it seems like none of them had any cover sheets that indicate classification that they were, according to the report, with the exception of the diaries, they were packed with personal materials. On the Joe, on the Donald Trump side, the documents had cover sheets that plainly indicate classified material at the top secret levels. And this is actually where Anthony Weiner comes in. They have audio tapes in Cut 5. In Cut 5, they have the audio tape that has him saying this is classified material. Listen to this. You will clearly hear the former president as he is speaking to several people. According to the special counsel's indictment, they include a writer working on Mark Meadows' memoir, the publisher, and two of Trump's staff members. The president was aware he was being recorded. This is the first time it is being played publicly. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, that against you. That's well, it started they, right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before Just you don't. even were sworn in. That's right. Trying yeah. to overthrow well, your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, You're listening carefully here. He said that... I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. Mm. Wait a minute. Let's see here. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know, Mm -hmm. except it is like highly confidential. Highly confidential. (laughs) All right. So he knew what he had again. This is the side by side, the difference in what they in what they have. So when people say, oh, okay, when people on the left said, well, they shouldn't have put all that stuff in about his age. Okay, but he kind of had to listen. Let's remember something. The independent counsel. 
that investigated the Russia collusion found that Donald Trump was guilty of uh, that. There are at least 11 instances of crimes, but he couldn't prosecute him because he was the president. Everyone sort of cleared him. No, they just couldn't. They couldn't prosecute him and they had to explain why. And the reason they couldn't prosecute him is he was a sitting president. So in this case, her had to say, well, I didn't prosecute because whatever. I don't think he should have said he was an old guy, but we know that he is. In the case of Donald Trump, any reason not to prosecute, it, it, look, the document thing is bad. What documents they were is pretty bad. Okay. But the fact that he hid them, he wouldn't let them have access to them. He's like bragging that he knew they were classified. He's literally showing, it looked like Iran war plans to a room full of people. A little later on in that tape, he said something, he said my name, but it's anyway. So those are the differences. So it's bad for Joe Biden. I don't think anyone should have classified documents. There's like millions and millions out there floating around. It's amazing how easy they are to float around, how they wind up in people's garages at Mar-a-Lago bathrooms is beyond me. And then comes the fallout from it. So the fallout from the decision is going to be that, well, there won't be a criminal indictment of Joe Biden, and there's going to be this 40 count felony indictment of Trump. That's one fallout. But the other fallout is it's another person saying they sat down with Joe Biden and they found him to be old. Yeah, that is a problem. Now, you know, he couldn't answer questions. He forgot things. I mean, it's a little bit selective when people when people say that, you know, Joe Biden forgets things. Yeah, Donald Trump, you know how many times he said during the Mueller, in, um, the, the, the Mueller interviews, over 30 times Donald Trump said, I can't remember. Remember how he confused Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi last week or two weeks ago? And what about the idea that, that, that in this rape trial, when he was shown a picture of E. Jean Carroll, he thought it was his second wife? Okay, neither one of these guys should be running. They're both too old. But this is an increasing liability for Joe Biden. And I don't know the answer to it. People say maybe he should go out and speak more. I don't know. His voice is part of the problem. People say that, you know, they should lean into more how bad Donald Trump's health is and how bad his mental acuity is. Okay, then you just have a campaign of one side showing a gaff reel and the other side showing a gaff reel. Is that the election we're going to have? And then there's the third camp, which is that after a while, everyone talks about, I don't like Hillary Clinton, I don't like Donald Trump, but people have to make a choice. I don't like Joe Biden, I don't like Donald Trump, but people have to make a choice. Yeah, Joe Biden's old. And to my friends on MSNBC saying, oh, this doesn't matter. Hey, I just lost my dad uh, six months ago or so, who was 89, okay? We all have experiences in our lives with older people. We don't need to be told that they lose a little zip off their fastball. It doesn't happen all at once, and I don't think that – and I think there's lots of things that – you know, lots of ways you can see differences in both Trump and Biden. But to say if you are watching my some of my liberal commentators, oh, this is a, this is a bum rap. No, it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about. But it might be that the best defense – is just to look at the record. We now have, you know, we had a wall. The the Dow Jones finished last week the highest in history. 
interest rate, you know, grow, uh, a GDP growth of 4.9% in the last quarter, best job market since the 1960s, lowest insured people, uh, a number of uninsured people in history. <clears throat> Maybe that's what you do. You just lean into the facts and hope that the American people say, yeah, they're both old. They're both doddering a little bit. But I'd rather have the guy that didn't have a lot of drama, who's not a criminal, who has a pretty good record in office. But for my friends on the left who says this is so unfair that you talk about the guy being old, you got to wake up and smell the coffee. And we'll be right back after the break. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. That is the Toasters. They were big on kind of the ska revival scene of the 1990s here in town. Because of them, I briefly took up the trombone. So we're talking about the uh, Independent Council report on Joe Biden and his possession of documents. Big report, 300 some odd pages. And, you know, the same conclusion was reached about Pence. He got a one-page letter about a year ago. So if you think there's not some, I don't know. Look, it's it's fine. It's here's an important thing for all of you to to. I think we can all agree. If you read any newspaper today, it was an embarrassing report for Joe Biden. And yet everyone is always going on on this station about, oh, the weaponized DOJ. So what do you think they weaponized against? Joe Biden. Merrick Garland could have stepped in as the attorney general and redact and edited any part of this report. It goes to him first. Did he do it? Nope. Because he believes in these in the independence of the independent councils. And so do I. And frankly, so does Joe Biden. But everyone, you know, you got to if you believe that the 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 deck is stacked. The worst possible thing you can have in a report if you're Joe Biden. Economy's doing better. Immigration, which used to be a real liability, now you're using against the Republicans because they didn't they, they refused to even take up a bill. A lot of things turning around, getting a little better. 
the last thing, the most destructive thing you can possibly have is a report come out that seems that you're a doddering old guy that can't remember stuff. So if anyone believes about the weaponized DOJ that only hurts Republicans, doesn't hurt Democrats, I'm going to wave this report around for the next year to anyone who says that because this was not good for Joe Biden. And Merrick Garland could have stopped it if he wanted to at any point. Now, he would have had to answer questions for that, and it would have come out. And this guy that was named was a Trump appointee. Now, he was named by Garland, but he was originally appointed the Justice Department job that he had by Donald Trump, and he's a registered Republican. There's no perfect way to do these investigations that you don't have some concerns, but the idea you we came up with a law that at least has some level of independence, and we saw it. So for that, it's probably good for the citizens of our country in that regard. So let's take some calls about this. Chris in Long Island. Chris, welcome back. Sorry to keep you waiting so long. Thank you, Anthony, and I do appreciate that. And if you could just give me a second to go back and forth with you, because there's so many things that you've mentioned that I have to push back on. All right, number one. If you tomorrow had to send somebody in front of a crowd of like 20,000 people to speak to them, would you choose Joe Biden or Donald Trump and worry about how they would be on stage? Who would you worry about more? I would worry about the content of Donald Trump's words. Okay. So, okay. good. Not, I mean, yeah, the, the gaff, they, they do gaffs about the same amount of time. I've all queued up here, Chris, and I'm going to let you finish. I've queued up here one, two, three, four, five from the last two weeks. No, actually, this is the last 40, uh, 48 hours of Donald Trump getting Victor Orban's country wrong. Donald Trump saying that I had a nice life. I could have been anywhere this Saturday afternoon when it was actually Friday. Donald Trump saying, got to be careful, you're going to change the name of Pennsylvania. So every day they're both having gaffes. But in terms of the content, Joe Biden is more in line with what I think we want to be saying as a country. But go ahead. Well, what else you got to say? Okay. Yep. Okay, fine. That's. You know, that's the exact answer I wanted you to have. Okay. Number two. All right. If I was you, I'd be very careful about having Biden run on his record. Okay. I listen to Larry Kudlow. And you kind of, why don't you quote what Kudlow was saying today? You quoted him last week. You didn't quote him today. You know, record amount of credit card debt is in this country. Okay. You, the stock market could go through the roof. People still are feeling the effects of inflation. Go to any supermarket, and it's what you feel. They're not, you're not being consumer able to con- Chris, Chris, measures of consumer confidence have not been this high in three years since COVID. So consumer confidence is way up. You know, here's the thing about credit card, the credit card debt stat. I mean, I love the way these Republicans are now, like, desperately looking for any possible thing to hang on to. But, yeah, credit card, we are, we are consuming, again, that's a sign of confidence. People have confidence that their wages are going up. They're going to have jobs that the economy is doing better. Unfortunately, we are a country that is built on consumerism. All right, fine. Now, Getting on to the polls, I mean the uh, border, okay? All the polls, just look them up. Trump is beating Biden by 30% when it comes to the border. Yeah, we're we're not talking about the border anymore, and I know there are a lot of polls, and I appreciate you you, you called. Yeah, right now, if the election were held today, it's not going to be held today. You know, Trump has been doing better in some polls, Biden in other polls. The crazy thing is, You've got one guy who is 77, the other one who's 81, who both say wacky things. 
my view that Joe Biden is is getting hit harder on this age thing because of the arthritis he has in his back, the way that he walks. But the thing and I did a whole episode of the middle unplugged about this. It's the way he talks. In this business, in this business, you have to be able to kind of I don't know what the word is. You have to be able to emote. You have to be able to throw your shoulders back and belt out a speech. And Donald Trump can do that. He says the craziest stuff that makes, I think, reminds every day those swing voters why they didn't want him the last time. And, and, and by a comfortable margin, threw him out of office after one term, something that rarely happens to a president nowadays. Because they realize they don't want crazy on their TV every 12 hours or every four hours. But in the case of Biden, there's no doubt about it. He's, the immigration problem has been a real liability for him, which is why he agreed to all these givebacks in those negotiations and why the republic – he wants to fix this problem. He wants to solve it. It's politically good for him to solve it. I'm not disputing that. But I got to tell you, the republicans – Here's the way I would say it. I don't want to get back into it. Well, we don't have to. Do it. Let's 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 uh, let's press on. Um, let's go to Tom in New York. Hey, Tom, welcome. Yeah, hi. Um, quick question: Is there, is it legal for a senator or a vice president to take home documents? Documents, sure. You can take home documents. I'm talking about top secret secret stuff. Oh, those no. things we're talking about. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, so we're talking about a vice president that brought home documents and a senator who brought the home documents, and we're trying to compare that to two presidents who can't have the right to do that. No, no, the, the, the president, the president, in, in no case did Donald Trump or Joe Biden have this, the so-called right to have these documents at home. Both of them, they, they were the possession of the United States. Well, you're, 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 Virtually wrong because the president can de- de- change the, the, the It isn't uh, a question of classification. Um, they don't own the documents. It's not a question of classification. Now, it's obviously worse if it's a classified document. They don't own the work product of the presidency of the United States. Those belong to you and me, the taxpayer. Assume you're right about that. Why are you con- considering that it's okay for you know Biden to bring home stuff when it's illegal – and then kind of trying to compare that to the president of the United States. Because, because for the same reason that both, because it is not a question. Yes, this these documents wound up places they should not have been. That's not in dispute. The question is what happened once they were discovered? And was there any effort to, to, to prevent the, the government from getting back the papers that they were supposed to get? And the answer was one guy tried to hide them. One guy was burning videotapes. One guy was telling lawyers to lie. And the other guy said, called up the DOJ and said, come get them and interview me as long as you want to do it. And, and let's not forget Pence. If you believe that, that this is a bright line test, if you have possession of them in a box that got accidentally shipped out in, into your garage – automatically you should be prosecuted. That's not the way prosecutions are done. Prosecutions look at intent. They look at precedent. And by the way, Bob Barr, the former attorney general of the of the United States, who worked for Donald Trump, who covered for him, this is what he had to say about the documents, that if he just would have returned it, it would have been fine. Cut three. 
based on the facts, as the facts come out, I think over time people will see that this is not a case of the Department of Justice, you know, conducting a witch hunt. In fact, they approached this very delicately and with deference to the president. And this would have gone nowhere had the president just returned the documents. But he jerked them around for a year and a half. And the question is, did he deceive them? And if there's evidence of that, uh, I think people will start to see that this says more about Trump than it does the Department of Justice. And that is that uh, he's so egotistical that he has this penchant for, for conducting, you know, risky, reckless acts to show that he can sort of get away with it. It's part of asserting his, his, mm -hmm. his ego. And he's done this repeatedly at the expense of all the people who depend on him to conduct the public's business in an honorable way. And, you know, we saw that with both impeachments. And there's no excuse for what he did. All right, so, so that's Bob Barr, the Attorney General of the United States under Donald Trump. And I think he summed it up pretty well that, that the, 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 it's not the documents per se, it's that for some reason Donald Trump desperately, desperately, desperately was trying to prevent the people to get the, getting them back. And here's the one thing that I am eager to hear in the trial. Why? Why? Why was he trying to keep these documents? Why was he telling his lawyers to lie? Why was he moving them into bathrooms? Why was he deleting videotapes? Why was he, all these different things? Okay, stuff got mixed into boxes in the chaos of leaving. We have a weird system of government that, like, one guy moves out, the other guy moves in and starts working right away. Okay, stuff happens. Happened to Pence, happened to, to Biden, happened to Trump. Obstruction of justice. That's a thing. You can't say I'm not going to give you back what, what you're what you're supposed to have. And then you certainly shouldn't be showing it to somebody bragging about how it's classified. That's not a good thing either. And we'll be right back after the break. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Taylor Swift. I have to say, maybe it's my imagination. I mean, I listen to 77 WABC a lot. By the way, I'm taking you to 4 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, left versus right, Anthony Weiner versus Roger Stone. I think it's <laughs> a lot of hype going on about it. Let's see. Let's see if it lives up to the hype. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be that we here on the station are caught up in Taylor Swift controversy conspiracy theory mania she seems like a lovely young woman and whatever it's great her music is fine 
I'm not a Swifty or anything. I asked my son Jordan if he was a Swifty, and he scoffed at me. Um, but I have, I have seen now a couple of places where she talks about her music and she talks about things. She seems really great. She seems very, um, you know, like authentic is the word of the of the moment in our country, in our world. She seems like an authentically nice person, and so I wish her well. And I know she's flying here from Tokyo and burning a lot of carbon in order to do it, and I'm sorry if that offends you. So let's go back to the calls. We're talking about the situation that we're in that despite what I think was a terrible week for Republicans, they got they couldn't get out of their own way in the, the House of uh, in the House and the Senate. It is Joe Biden, who everyone's talking about today, is having a bad week. And let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Hey, Dean, welcome. Do we have you, Dean? And, and this is what's, what's troubling to me. I told you about three, four months ago that you're smart enough to become a conservative. And what happens is when you, when you compare Biden's mental capabilities with Trump's mental capabilities and actually try to justify the two as being the same – and you changed the question from which one would you like to have if you were addressing 20 million people or 20,000 people or whatever that caller said, and you switched it over to the content. Now, you know that's not what he was talking about. You know that he's talking about the mental capabilities of both of them. And when you compare the two and you try to make us believe that there's some, like, modem of of, of – comparison that's possible i have to change the channel my i'm screaming at the radio and my wife says change the channel and and i'm tempted but, to, but dean how would you make the case i don't know if i really changed the subject what i said is that you can't ask me who i want addressing the uh, uh, an audience who's less likely to make a gaffe they're equally likely to make a gaffe i mean i i read you a whole list of recent ones that your guy made but how would what makes you think that the guy's so smart? He he he's got failed businesses left and right. He you know he he he's saying we should gargle with with disinfectant during COVID. The guy saying this guy's a knucklehead. You want to shut it off and not listen to the rest of it. And I still think you're smart enough to be a conservative. So that might not go over too well. For no, you, no, but, but but what do you but but make the best case for how smart your guy is? I mean, he's like ultraviolet light to kill COVID. What's wrong with that guy? I think we lost Dean. No, I'm here. I'm here. No, but you, you're, make, you're saying it's so obvious. It's transparent. Yeah. It's prima facie that Donald Trump is such a smart guy. No, I just, I'm not saying – no, you're changing it again. Oh, I apologize. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is such a smart guy. Stick to this one thing right What's here. What's that? Donald Trump's mental capacity is nowhere near – the comparison to Joe Biden's mental capacity at the moment. It's I know you are. Re- you are. To do with smartness. I know you're restating that you're restating the position. I'm asking you to offer me some evidence. Tell us. Give me something I can sink my teeth into. Like show me. All right. Show me. All right. Let, let like me was the guy able? This. Here, let me ask you this: mental capacity that has to do with legislating, doesn't it? Donald Donald Trump had had, had the House and the Senate couldn't legislate anything. Joe Biden has been able, with a very narrow margin, been able to to get the the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, the infla- the uh, uh, infrastructure things. Show me some evidence that Donald Trump has better is more mentally uh, uh, um, acute than Joe Biden. I'm just waiting for it. Totally agree. Totally agree with what you said. However, in the conservative mind right now, Joe Biden is not running the show. 
Somebody else who's ever putting on the teleprompters in the front, those are the guys that are running the show. Who's I, ever doing but I, that? But, Dean, you don't believe that, and I don't believe it. So some conspiracy theory about that. And it's so funny that Joe Biden is both at one thing this this mastermind who's like figuring out all these different ways to undermine Donald Trump. On the other hand, he's not doing anything. These two guys are our nominees. Okay, you called up to say how outrageous it is that I could posit the idea that Donald Trump is not as mentally mentally fit as Joe Biden. You said it's so preposterous. And the first thing I say when I when I ask you for evidence, it says some crazy people on on right wing radio think he's not running things. Is that's not your position, is it? No, no, that's not that somebody do you mean that Donald Trump's not running thing? No, no, that that, uh, Joe Biden. Forgive me if I said the other way around. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, and, And again. I'm going off topic now. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. And legislative abilities, that's wonderful. But that's not what we're talking about. Donald Trump understands where he is. Yes, everybody makes gaffes. I get that point. And you can go on and play all the gaffes that Donald Trump made. You can go on and play all the gaffes that you made on the radio or Curtis or anybody else. Anyone. Absolutely. Me so, talking to you right now, I made gaffes. Right. But, but so, so, so you would agree. Going by gaffes is not a thing to go by, right? So what do you want me to go by? You say, don't go by legislation. Don't go by gaffes. How should I judge these two guys? Thank you for asking that question. Thank you very much. When Donald Trump leaves the stage, does he know which way to go? When when Donald Trump goes into a press conference and they ask him a question, does he have to say, oh, and now I sit down at the end of his cards? Does Donald Trump say, I have to ask you? That doesn't happen. Okay. I, I was hoping I wouldn't have to play these cuts. Christian, apparently, Dean wants to hear cuts of Donald Trump committing gaffes that no way I would ever commit or Dean would ever forget. So let's see. Where should we start? I had to put away my cut list, uh, um, Dean, because I didn't think. Let's do first cut one, Victor Orban. Victor Orban. Did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world. And he uh, he's the leader of... Right? He's the leader of Turkey. No, he's not. He's the leader of Hungary. If you love him so much, you should know what country. What about cut number four? Register everyone you know and get them out to vote. We have to. We have to win in November. Or we're not going to have Pennsylvania. They'll change the name. They're going to change the name of Pennsylvania. Yeah, they're going to change the name of Pennsylvania. I wonder what they're going to change it to. Wait a minute. You know what? Hold on a second. He at least knows what day of the week it is. This is from yesterday. I didn't need this. I had a very nice life. Nice Saturday afternoon. I could tell you if I weren't doing this where I would have been, I would have been in a very nice location. By the way, it's one thing to get the day wrong. He even had the time of day wrong. It was nighttime. So, Dean, we can do the Gaff Olympics all that you want. I think the way to judge this is on the results. That's what I think. How is and by the way, for the nonpartisan person, for the person who probably is like 10% of their brain is dedicated to this, not like me and my listeners who like 75% are thinking about this. They want to know, how's my 401k doing? Twice as good as it was under Donald Trump. How is inflation doing? It's now down to, to the target, the target level. How's job creation? Highest any time in American history. How about that terrible problem we had with the uninsured? Lowest that we've, that we've had. Job creation, highest that it's, that it's been in a long time. Consumer confidence off the charts. 
Crime nationally coming down. New York coming down. I think you look at the results. Donald Trump couldn't even do infrastructure day. And Joe Biden was able to get infrastructure bill passed. He gets the Inflation Reduction Act passed. And coincidentally, inflation then started falling. The narrowest majority, the, the narrowest margins any Congress in recent memory, and he was able to do all that. The CHIPS Act is to fight back against China dominating our computer chip business. The PACT Act to stop our veterans from dying from burn pits. He had to overcome Republican rejections, but he got it done. Look, I do not deny it is cringeworthy when I see Donald Trump and Joe Biden up there. Neither one of them can talk their way out of a paper bag. I get it. They're both old, 77 and 81. I get it. They're both too old to be president, I believe. But this is what we got. But if Donald Trump supporters want to call in and say, oh, boy, that guy Joe Biden, lots of gaffes. Yeah, we can both do this. This is the disappointing place that we are right now. But I can tell you this. One of these guys has 91 criminal counts hanging over his head. Okay? And a lot of swing voters who rejected Donald Trump's presidency because they didn't like the drama of every day are not going to like having someone who's on trial all for, throughout all of 2024. And we'll be right back. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. That's Lana Del Rey. Bring us back in. We have a couple more minutes then at 4 o'clock. I've got to go limber up. Left versus right. Me versus Roger Stone. You heard that right. If you missed any part of this show, it comes out immediately after, pretty soon after, thanks to the magic of Christian, Kevin, and the gang, as a podcast. And also The Middle Unplugged, an episode out, 68. You know, we should collect some ideas. Next week is episode 100. I wonder what we should do for that. If I leave it up to Kevin, I'm sure we'll have a cupcake or something. That's about the extent that we'll do it. The problem is I need AI to go through all of my podcasts and come up with some of the, my, my my best winning calls, and we should play those or something. But All right, I think we have time for one or two more calls. Let's try to bang them out. Let's go to Pete in New Jersey. Hey, Pete, thanks for hanging on. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Uh, simple question. In your opinion, in your opinion, who is decaying faster? That's all. 
who is decaying fast. I am not a doctor. I I don't know. I I I mean, they both they both yeah, here's the thing. I think that Trump does not show the temperament to be president putting aside age. I think both of them here's the problem, Pete, is that we all have people in our lives who are in their 80s. And we know they ain't what they were when they were in their 60s. And that's true for both. In terms of like one guy rides a bike around and the other guy eats cheeseburgers, I don't know, man. They, they, they both show signs of, of not being the best our country has to offer. I, mean, I, don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Was that the answer you were looking for, Pete? I like a more definite answer. I mean, you observe them both. You can see, you can say one a little more than the other. Just be bold and say it. That's all. I I I don't un- understand how he can five times in one sentence confuse Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi. That seems to be. I don't know how he can look at a picture of of a woman he's accused of raping and say it's his wife. I mean, that's just weird stuff. I don't know. They they both they both when they were you know seemed to say say stuff. That makes me scratch my head. Uh, I I agree. My view is, Pete, and is that, and I appreciate your call. Thank you. Call us back again. My view is that uh, Donald Trump says his forgetful, gaffy, weird stuff louder. And and the combination of Joe Biden's bad back, he's got arthritis in his back, that makes him very stiff walking, the combination of that and the fact that his voice is not very isn't that powerful makes it seem like Biden is worse. But I think probably Trump, Trump, you know, probably Trump couldn't hold Biden's. Me- I don't know. Let me stop that metaphor in its track. Uh, finally, let's go to. Uh, hey, Shannon, you've been waiting a while. I apologize for that. Shannon in Long Island. Hi, Anthony. Um, one of the things I wanted to just point out when you talk about. You know, Trump's baggage, all the drama surrounding him. Who created all this um, drama? The Russian hoax, impeachments, indictments. The Democrats have been going after this person since he became. Wait a minute, but he announced he was going to. But Shannon, the Shannon, the, the the Russian investigation was run by a Republican. No, no. No, yeah, Mueller. The Russian hoax was was created by Hillary Clinton. No, no, M- Mueller. Robert Mueller was was the and and he said that 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 Trump was guilty of of obstruction of justice. He wasn't, but you know what? You're going to twist it and turn it any which way. I just want to make sure so we get we get our history right. Opinion, but I, it just seems like you're constantly twisting the truth. Well, I mean that's one interpretation, Shannon. I apologize if that's what you think. I just want to make sure everyone understands, like when you say that. And I appreciate your calling, Shannon. And if the idea is that the Democrats made Donald Trump tweet every five minutes nasty things about people, if Donald the, the Republican it, Democrats made Donald Trump call the president of Ukraine and say, I'll release aid if you investigate my opponent, the idea that the Democrats were the people that were having meetings with the Russians in, in, in Trump Tower. And by the way, those things I just said, none of them is disputed by Donald Trump. Donald Trump freely says, I tweet crazy things to people all the time. He the, the fact that he had meetings with the Russia, his family and his campaign had meetings that that members of his administration went to were, were sentenced to prison, that his campaign manager went to prison for colluding with the Russians. I don't know how the demo how that's the Democrats fault. And the point that I the point that I was making is that independent voters, moderate independent voters who decide elections 
They don't they didn't like the Trump dramas. And one of the reasons they chose Joe Biden was for less of it. And you really think that much of that has changed? Well, now 91 indictments, independent counsels, United States citizens on grand juries. You can't blame Democrats. These are citizens on grand juries who hand up in these indictments. Coming up in a few minutes, i got to go limber up, put some fresh water on my face. Anthony Weiner versus Roger Stone, left versus right at 4 o'clock. You're not going to want to miss any of that. And for all of you tuned in this week, if you're going to go enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow, uh, enjoy it. I really do appreciate all the sports. Some great calls today. I want to thank all of you for being here for the ride. And God bless America.